All right, here we go. Episode 80 coming at you. Thank you guys for being a part of this one. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all the stuff. Um, I got to say thank you as well to Human Universal Health, the HUH Institute for providing the space and the connection to do this episode and the encouragement to put it out there here. So thank you guys very much. And yeah, let's get into it with our guest because our guest is really incredible. He's an amazing person. AV, um, I'll put all this information in the description. Everything you need will be in the description, so please check it out. He's an artist and a poet, and he's a retired U.S. Army sergeant, and he's featured in the film, the HBO documentary, We Are Not Done Yet, which I highly recommend you check out. Again, it'll be in the description. It's free to watch. And just profiles him and some other veterans working through and processing trauma and PTSD at a, at a workshop that they are just kind of following through, through, I, I don't know, the course of a few weeks, I'm sure. But, um, you know, AV has just become sort of an expert based on his life experiences and, and, you know, his service in the military on trauma and, and how to deal with it and how to process it and what he's learned from it and what he's gained and the perspective that and awareness that he's gained from kind of just so many things, but, um, this, especially surrounding like this word warrior came up a few times and just how that has changed. And like, there's a new paradigm for him and, and for humanity really of like what it means to, to be, you know, carrying that warrior spirit you know especially for somebody that comes from a very traditional and kind of warrior culture like Samoa which that's where AV is from so you know he just really has some interesting insights and perspective and he's so open and vulnerable and honest and matter of fact and just himself on the episode so it's really cool to just to be around somebody like that I was just kind of awestruck for most of it, just like, wow, trying to take it in. So um, <laughs> pay no attention to me and and uh, just listen to AV because he's where all the wisdom's at and I really appreciate him being on this one. So uh, definitely go into the description at the end. Uh, you know, there's all the ways to support the podcast in there as well. And until the next one, you know, we'll talk about where we're going next and, you know, why we've had such a long gap maybe. And and where we want to take this thing all right so much love to you guys here's av <laughs> yeah i mean just to like maybe give some context but like to remind me because you have like such a cool background it seems like or unique at least <laughs> like you know coming from where i'm at yeah. um can you talk about like just samoa and growing up there again i know i've i've heard a little bit last night but this is just like i feel like it's on yeah uh, well someone is pretty it's unique in the way things are done there mm-hmm. you know so a lot of it has to do with the pride in your culture pride in your language mm-hmm. pride in your in the ceremonies pride in the things that they do there and a lot of it has uh as a young person that's being raised in the culture you know you you're taught that that is that is the only way of life right 
and and that's why they have the uh, there's this uh, our culture. It says Samoa uh, means it's our way of life, Samoan way of life, and um, so like it was pretty cool growing up there. At the same time, it was pretty sad growing up there, you know, because uh, you know it, you know you're not tarnished by what a lot of what the Western culture is. You know? mm-hmm. So when I was growing up, I didn't have video games. <laughs> you know, uh, what I did have was a machete, a shovel, and an axe. <laughs> you know, those are my toys growing up. You know, in the plantation and amongst my uh, my friends. You know, most of us grew up the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, always working for the family. Your your whole life is in service of. You know, and then. And the original way for the Chiefs was in service of the people. Oh, yeah. Um, Because, you know, a Chief is nothing without his constituents. So you always have to make sure that your people are well taken care of. That was the way I was raised, you know. Always take care of people. Always take care of, um, always give a helping hand, you know. Give and not give and not accept anything or not expect anything in return. And I've lived most of my life that way. You know, I love I love giving my time. I love giving, um, helping people out. I love doing all of the things that help other people better their way of life or their quality of life. Um, but Uh, actually, I don't know where I was going with that. But yeah. <laughs> well, it's just, it's like part of the culture. I mean, it's so embedded, it seems like. I mean, that's, and that's a really good, obviously, thing, I think, yeah. that, you know, is embedded. It's yeah. sometimes strange, I guess, how it's like juxtaposed with like the pride aspect and how that can. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Cause I well, don't, but I'm, but well, I think if I could ask like, just, you know, is that extra for you? Because obviously your lineage and like who you are and your family and like the weight that that carries. Can you talk about that a little bit? Cause I'm, I'm still like, it fascinates me that you are one of these descended <laughs> like people and like how that shifted, because I think that's a huge part of your story maybe, but I don't know. Well, I would say, the, that part of my story is um, as far as, you know, becoming uh, the son of a high chief, becoming, uh, being a part of the royal families, you know. I think that part of the story is is a smaller part, right? The huge part for me has always been how how we treat people in general. We're so busy putting people down and uh, quantifying who's important and who's not important versus just treating people like humans. Mm -hmm. You know, um, like, yes, I could tell the story a million times, right, (laughs) about how I I came to be, I guess, uh, growing up in my culture. But I could say that the other, that was the first part of my life, you know, the second part of my life is the part that's filled with 
you know, where I started to learn hate and I started to learn, um, you know, what, what it means to be racist, you know, this is, uh, it was, it was different when I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what racism was growing up, you know, I didn't know anything. I didn't, I didn't have hate for anybody growing up either. Um, did I, did I have people I did not prefer? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> you know, but, uh, when I came to the States, that was a huge, huge eye opener for me. You know, uh, I would not lie. If I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't racist at one time. Mm-hmm. You know, I got stabbed twice by by a Mexican. You know, and uh, I was uh, very disgruntled by then. I, like, I just wanted to meet a Mexican. I didn't want to get stabbed by one, you know. <laughs> But after being stabbed and almost dying from the wounds, because uh, he got he, he uh, got stabbed twice, once in the arm and once in the just be. Well, just what be, was what, it, what was the situation in the context? Well, I was uh, I was in college at the time and I was drinking at a at a, a cousin's house, and I had cousins staying with me too, so uh, other Samoans, <laughs> and uh, all I wanted to do is like I was done drinking. I was like, all right, guys, I'm gonna walk home. So I started walking home, and as I was walking home, there was this guy standing on the train tracks. The guy standing on the train tracks, either side of the train tracks were these house, housing areas, which I would really didn't know anything about. And he was uh, calling out and yelling and, you know, saying all kinds of things. And I was like, I don't know you, but, uh, you know, I'm just trying to walk on through. Do you know where you're at, homie? I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I got hit in the back of the head with a oh, with a uh, with a beer bottle or some kind of bottle. I just remember the back of my head being wet and glass falling everywhere. And then there was the uh, when I reached for the back of my head and looked and looked around, there was just all these people jumping over these fences that you know that uh, blocked the, the the railway, right? Mm-hmm. And they were just jumping over the fences and coming towards me. And I was like, oh, man. So I turned around and started fighting. And then uh, somebody pulled out a knife and stabbed me in my arm. This is the one I remember. I remember pulling the knife out, throwing it down on the ground, turning around and beating up the guy who just stabbed me. The guy that I was hitting earlier, he grabbed the knife and stabbed me a second time. But I didn't know that. I didn't know that this one had happened. The only way I knew that had happened was the following day. When I woke up, and, or on my way home, before after that, I uh, tore my shirt and I um, wrapped up my arm because it was you know, I was bleeding. So when I w- got home, I had family sleeping in my bed already, yeah. and I was like, oh, whatever, I'll just sleep on the couch. I slept on the couch. When I woke up the next morning, I was like, oh man, arms killing me, and I was like, oh. I was, whatever but when I was reaching around you know just to move uh, the cushions I was here so I could get comfortable I noticed it was all wet and I was like oh I looked and there was blood and I was like what the hell and I was like I remember yelling I was like hey 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 wake up man hey who's bleeding who's bleeding 
And it was, you know, they were all kind of slowly getting up, I guess. And as one of my cousins came out of the room, that's when I found it. And I stuck both my fingers all the way in. Uh, and I was like, oh, man. Oh. <laughs> and I fell Jesus, down. <laughs> I can't. Just like, I mean, that is mind-blowing. You can just be like, I, I didn't know, but they're, oh, damn, I got a stab wound. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty big. And these guys, my, you know, at the time, you know, this this whole warrior race, you know, being weak is not a thing, it's, and and showing mercy is not a thing either. So, mm-hmm. uh, what we do to to displace that is we laugh, mm-hmm. and then, so all my cousins were laughing at me, and you know, my friends were laughing at me. I was like, yeah. "Don't laugh, you assholes!" You know, call <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. an ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> so they, you know, they took me to the hospital. Got to the hospital and I was when the doctor was telling me, man, you were so close to dying. Yeah. If I had gone just centimeters to the left, I would have been dead. Because it would have hit. It would have hit my kidneys. Oh, wow. Jesus. And so after that, I had gotten the people I wanted to meet now became this irrefutable enemy, mm. you know. And it just came over me all at one time. You know, that was my experience of being racist. You know, it was, it was like, oh my gosh, I hate these guys. And I made sure that everybody in Arizona, that was when I was going to school, all the Samoans there knew it. And so this huge thing started to happen. You know, if you were, like if you were a Mexican male walking across the street, going the complete opposite direction of me, and I'm, and I happened to turn back and see you. I was walking across the street oh, to go get you. Damn. And so, you know, that was my first experience there. And then also, the second experience was actually uh, a weird one. It was, uh, I was taking a road trip with some of the football teams, football members. And uh, we were going across and we stopped in this small town in uh, in uh, New Mexico. And this place was called the Coffee Cup Cafe. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, <laughs> man, let's go get something to eat, man. I had a black friend of mine. His name was uh, uh, CJ. Oh, yeah. And he says, hey, man, don't go in there, man. I was like, come on, man. I'm just, it's, it's a cafe. We can get something to eat real quick. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 don't go in there, man. Don't go in there. And I was like, all right. And then I'm going anyway. <laughs> and then, you know, everyone, as soon as I walked in, everyone just stared at me. And I was like, interesting. <laughs> uh, can I uh, want to just buy a couple coats, you know, for the road? And they're like, no, you ain't welcome. You need to get out. And I was going to say something else, but CJ grabbed me and said, come on, man. I told you not to come in here. So I was leaving. And they had to explain it to me because I was totally oblivious of it. Mm-hmm. As we were driving away after fueling up. Um, he said, did you see the sign? I was like, yeah, it's Coffee Cup Cafe. Did you see how it was spelled? Yeah, Coffee Cup. Oh. oh I just got it. <laughs> <laughs> All the C's were replaced with K's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And so he was explaining it to me, and I was like, oh, man. He's like, you're a dumbass, man. Where are you from? And I was like, Taboy, you, you already know this, man. <laughs> and I was like, man. You know, get on it, man. You can die out here for things like that. And I was like, oh, okay. 
and then so I was racist. Oh, I was, and then actually running into hate at the same time. You know, just and then, it was funny because like after I joined the military, it was actually that was the first time I actually. Uh, I still didn't like Mexicans at the time when mm-hmm. I joined the military, but man, this military work in mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they bunked me with uh, with a Mexican kid, and so his name, and I'll never forget this guy's name. His name is Almaraz. This guy was getting punked all the time. He was getting beat up all the time. But it's these white kids, and I was like, I don't care, man. Beat him up, you know. Mm-hmm. But as basic was going through, I, you know, started, I was like looking, I was like, why don't you ever defend yourself? Finally asked him, yeah. why don't you defend yourself? He goes, you know, and he says, because I don't want to get deported. And I was like, deported? Why are you going to get deported? I said, aren't you? He says, yeah, I'm not American. I'm just here. I'm trying to get, you know, uh, become a citizen. And I was like, so there's a difference between you guys? Yeah, I thought Mexicans were Mexicans. I was like, no, I'm from across the, I'm from actual Mexico. I was like, oh. So from there, we actually became friends because I told him, like, don't worry, man. So anyone messes with you, I'll take care of it. You know. Mm-hmm. So, and then me and him became really, really good friends. I lost track of him after a couple of years. Um. And uh, hopefully one day our paths will cross again. I mean, they're really nice to reunite with that guy. But mm-hmm. uh, it was because of him, you know, I, my hate went away. Yeah. Know? And it was nice. It was nice not being burdened by that, by that hate, you know, or fueled by that anger, you know. And then, uh, let's see. And, uh, you get the military wise, even more more hate happens when you're when you're not accustomed to it. You know, it just happens all of a sudden. It happens to even, you know, the most, you know, kindest of people. Uh, especially when you're serving overseas. When you're serving overseas, you know essentially you're brainwashed anyway, because before you get there you're told all the bad things. Mm-hmm. You know, especially like so we're dealing with the Muslims, you know. And uh it's not separated, you know. There's no separation of what they're teaching you or what they're, they're planting into you. It's oh, all Muslims. But they're not saying Al Qaeda. They're mm-hmm. not saying um what's the other one? Um Taliban. Yeah. They're not saying any of that. It's all Muslim, Muslim this, Muslim that. So when you're hearing it in the news, it's all Taliban or Al-Qaeda. What we're hearing is Muslims are bad, you know. So, and it was sad because for the longest time, man, you know, after I, you know, you lose a few friends and, uh, you know, you're getting attacked for no reason, you know, and then we're attacking them and we're having no remorse, you know, we don't feel bad at all because that's what we're told, you know, not to feel bad. You know, mm-hmm. These are our enemies. All Muslims are enemies, right? And it wasn't until later on that I, my views had changed, and it view, changed in the most unlikeliest of ways. I was not aware that the military had Muslim soldiers. Our military had Muslim mm-hmm. soldiers. I thought everybody here was just 
we just categorized each other as Americans. And I asked one of my friends, I said, you know, I just noticed, actually I've been noticing, that whenever we have pork, you don't eat. I was like, he's like, yeah, yeah, you're right, Sarne, you're right. Is there a reason why you don't eat? I was like, no, oh, I just don't eat pork. And only people I know don't eat pork are Muslims. <laughs> you eat Muslim, are you? <laughs> and he goes, I was like, no shit. You're a Muslim? He goes, yeah. Yes, yeah, sir. I was like, why don't you tell anybody? He goes, because I don't want to be hated. And the fear, you know, him fearing to praise his God in a place that's supposed to be in the army that's supposed yeah. to uh, respect all religions, that was kind of sad. And that was how I changed my mindset there. And I started telling the troops, like, hey, man, you know, know who our enemies are. It's not Muslim. It's not Islam. Mm -hmm. You know, our enemies are the people that are out there, you know, Al-Qaeda and, um, and Taliban, not just random people. Once I was able to distinguish the two, I started to, that was where the trauma started to come and mess with my head mm. because I started to feel bad. I was like, how many of these people are we putting down? How many people have I put down? And they weren't even part of anything. They were just civilians. But our hate that is, in, that is put into us drives us to not care. Yeah. You know? What do you ever, and then you, I mean, you think about like what they're being fed about you and about like, you know, like well, how, how they might be having that same. I do. Like, we're like, cause I don't know. I've never been in the military, but uh, uh, yeah. I think it's like, you know, there's, I think you said in the film even that there's like parallels between the military culture and like the Samoan culture yeah. and just kind of like how, it's just a very specific message and there's a way to be. Yeah. And then part of that maybe, at least in the military, it seems like is, well, I don't know how you feel about it, you know, but. Yeah, uh, well, I did. So after having this huge revelation that we do have Muslims <laughs> in, our, in our military, I was like, oh man, I wonder what I did. I thought about that too. What are they being told about us? And uh, of course, you can't just get the the direct answer just by talking to any local, you know, that you meet out there. But after working with certain factions that we have, or the certain uh, other uh, groups that we have that work together simultaneously with the military, you get the you get kind of get the full picture, you know. And I was explaining that to people now with the current uh, the current uh, crisis that they got now in Iran. You know, what we hear and see from the media is two totally different things. And that's what I kept telling my parents when I was gone. Whatever you hear on the news, don't believe it unless you hear it from me. Mm. And, and of course, you know, your parents are your parents. So they're going to worry about you no matter what. And they're going to look at the news. And the, whatever the news says, they're going to believe because it's the news. It's supposed to be the the ears around the world. And what I've learned is that they're full of crap. Yeah. 
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> They'll tell you anything to keep you keep the ratings high. Yeah. yeah. But and this was so now we have this Iran Iran thing going on, right? And everyone's like, why? Why should we care about Iran? We should just go out there and nuke them. Well, nuke them for what? I can tell you right now, most of those people out there, they don't hate us. They hate the things that we do, but they don't hate America. You know? And so when I was telling uh, some of the groups that I go to and talk about it, they're like, nah, man, you're anti-American, man. I was like, really? You know who you're talking to? <laughs> I was like, yeah, man. It just felt right to say it. You know, I was like, okay, well, I know it feels right to say it, but do you know it's true? It's like, yeah, you're right. You know, sometimes you got to feed a different way, a different, uh, you got to find a way around the madness yeah. to tell a story or to tell other people what's going on in order for them to even listen. You know, it's just like me. You have to go around this whole uh, bias of what I thought, you know, America, uh, Samoans are, you know, like Samoans are the greatest people on earth. Mm-hmm. We're the greatest culture on earth. No one's better than Samoans, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I come through and I learned that it's not which culture is better. It's just, can we treat people like people? Can we be humans to other humans, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't think any, I don't know. It's just weird. It's long, long, it's just a huge slippery slope. No matter yeah. what you do, no matter what direction you if go. If you draw on lines and yeah. dividing things and being like, all right, we're great, you're not, or yeah. that's patriotism, this isn't. Mm-hmm. And, like, and, and why would you even like yeah. want to be a patriot of, of that kind? Like, yeah. you, Anti-American, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that more important than being anti-human? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and it's true, you know? It's, and Or anti, yeah. And it's a, you know, bringing bringing one of my uh, escorting one of the fallen soldiers home uh, once, um, you know, I've got paint thrown on me, you know, I've got uh, dirty diapers, you know, thrown on me, ruining my uniforms, yeah. you know, because they people say, well, we we hate the military. Well, you don't hate the military. You hate the people that send us over there, send us to places, you know, or don't even hate them. Just change policy, you know. But being out there and and making us all feel bad when we already have this guilt, you know, doesn't help, you know. And to be honest, most of them are contributing to, you know, the suicide uh, crisis that our military has now, you know. Because they don't, they don't understand. They don't want to understand. So we turn around, and whenever the, our veterans try to reach out, the first thing that they are received is like, "Oh, oh yeah, oh well, it's your fault. You're the one who joined the military," or, "Oh man, you should suck that up, man. You know, Jeez. be a man, you know." <laughs> More pride, more yeah. like anti-weakness yeah. and yeah. more neglect of like any responsibility yeah. towards like just even accepting, I guess, or admitting yeah. that there's there's just bigger problems than, than that, you know, like yeah. where, what were you, you know, I don't know 
what it's like to grow up in Samoa again, but there's not probably much else. It seems like sometimes to, you know, everyone is, you said your, your whole family was very militarist military. Like it's, it's ingrained in the culture. It's part of, it's so part of the, is it, well, I'm asking, I guess, is it part of like the, do you feel like it's part of the, the culture just in a way that, because I feel like it, even in growing up in Colorado, that there's certain things that are just kind of handed down from government yeah. that make us like they want us to pick a team. They want us to pick, yeah, pick yeah. a pick something and hate somebody else. They want because if they can get you to hate somebody, then they can kind of uh, work with that. Manipulate their way. Yeah. Things, yeah. <laughs> so I was kind of the same way. I mean, I guess. We have our own teams <laughs> out there, and it's it's hard to work through the the, the politics. And that's you know, you, America has their own politics. Samoans have what we call Samoan politics, and, mm -hmm. and it's hard to work around it. You know, somebody always wants something yeah. in return for good. You know, like, and and uh, to me, is it worth it? Is it worth is it worth giving up four bads, four wrongs to get one good thing? You know, it's not worth it to me, you know. And, uh, as far as like Samoa is concerned, uh, man, the military is ingrained, deeply ingrained within within uh, within our culture. You know, one, it feeds off the need to make your own story, to make your own warrior story, you know, so that our families have something proud to talk about. You know the new legend that we can talk about, but I don't think they realize the cost of that. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's like it's not like the old days. You know, there's this thing about the old days that you know there was ways for these soldiers to deal for old warriors to deal with with uh, their traumas, right? And now it's through storytelling. You know, does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, how, I mean, I was a little curious how they used to deal with it, but well. And that was how they did it. They, they dealt with it through storytelling. Oh, okay, yeah. Right? So whenever these warriors would tell their stories and the stories would be carried on, right, it was less burden mm -hmm. on them. Mm -hmm. The same thing with what I'm doing here, mm -hmm. with, with the, when I go and talk to people, you know, or, or I teach art or teach poetry, you know. It's another way for them to tell a story so it's not just them carrying that burden. Right. So as long as, you know, back home, when our old warriors would tell the stories, they weren't carrying it by themselves. But everybody knew the story, mm -hmm. you know, of these great warriors, you know, Tuna and Fata, <laughs> you know, even the old gods, you know, that we used to have. They knew of the goodness that they that they did. They, they would even tell of the treachery, all the things, all the bad things, you know. Uh, and that was, and, and to be honest, this is the way it's been done throughout all of the years. Yeah. You know, tell the story, you know, Greek history, Greek, Greek mythology, right? You hear about Hercules and all these, all these, um, um, these, these war, war gods that they have, or these war heroes they have out there, you know, they would tell the stories. And that's how we know the stories now, because we knew them by word of mouth, mm -hmm. you know? <clears throat> but through telling of the stories, it took the burden off of them. And what's happening now is that we, we in Samoa, we're 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 still we're so ingrained to keep 
our our problems to ourselves, that we're we're willing to take those problems, these issues, to the grave with us, and even if that means that it's a speedy grave, you know, or we you know suicide again. That's why it's so important that you know whenever we're out here, whenever you see uh, someone hurting, you know, be a human, go out there and talk to that person, you know. Whenever you, uh, if if someone is out there telling their story, don't make fun of them, you know. Don't judge them, because that's not what they need. They don't need they don't need your judgment. They judge themselves every day, you know. Mm-hmm. They're punishing themselves every day. But if they're telling you their story, that's because they don't want to be punished anymore. But they want everyone else to know that what they're going through, you know. And that's what. Again, that's what I like to do. You know, I love going around helping people, helping people better their quality of life. If I can do that, one person, you know, within a, <laughs> within a week, that's that's a win. You know, it's one person who doesn't have to kill themselves. That's one person who doesn't have to sit by himself in a, in a dark room, crying, you know, yelling, going through nightmares by themselves. Mm. You know, to tell a story. I can help tell that story. I can help them have the courage to tell more people and continually help relieve that burden off of that person so that he's not carrying it by himself. Yeah, that's super helpful. (laughs) That's like, yeah, I think that's huge. Appreciate that. I think like, I wanted to ask, like, is that where you feel like we go now? Kind of, is that kind of the shift is like, you know, I mentioned to you last night that we were having like this warrior. There's like the, for young men, maybe, maybe it's more, (coughs) maybe it's everybody, but I think for a lot of young men in particular, it's like, they want to apply their energy in that way. Mm. They want to create the legend. They want to be a legend. And I'm wondering like how, you transmute that energy now into like something that's healthy and it doesn't have this. Yeah. This I think you just have to, to be honest, you have to go through it. Yeah. You know? I've thought that too. I yeah. think I was like, I wonder if it's something you can even get rid of or if it's something you have to yeah. like. So how is it? How I would say how, when it started was, you know, especially for American, American history, like when we, when we think back on it, right. We were always told not to complain. Right, mm-hmm. uh, Americans are back in the days. It's like you know when you watch the old movies, right? You never saw John Wayne cry. You know John <laughs> Wayne was the man. He, if he had problems, he killed it to himself because that was yeah. that was the manly thing to do, right? And then, but when John Wayne came out, that was still around the time the Vietnam War was coming out, right? It was, it was like, oh wow, and you see all these soldiers coming back, right? And then you you hear like. The movies like, oh, you know, did did your dad serve in, in, in Vietnam? Did he ever tell the story about it? Right? And then the person will say, No, he never told anything about it. I never heard him say anything about it. Good. So he wasn't lying then. Right? What does that tell other people? Like, oh, I wanna be like these guys because I don't I don't want you know, I wanna be tough. Because mm-hmm. they they did all that stuff, but you know, you don't have to tell anybody, right? <laughs> but a lot of these Vietnam vets, when they're coming back, 
they were hurt, right? They were hurt both physically and mentally. And, you know, I guess spiritually. Spiritually, yeah. You know? Emotionally, whatever. All the Italy's. All of it. <laughs> all of those. All of the things. They were they were hurting, you know. And they weren't getting any support. Not only from uh not only from their own from their own government, from the military that they serve, and the people when they came home. You know, they turned it they completely turned a blind eye to them. Right? And so what do you think these vets did? They didn't do anything. They kept all of their pain, all of their suffering to themselves because, but for what? Because nobody helped them. And if they asked for help, they were crazy, mm. right? And so that just bled even more further down the line. That, well, we don't have to talk about anything because it's, it's bad. You know, if we talk about it, people are gonna think we're weak. You know, this is where all that weakness, this, this weakness talk comes into play. You know, and nobody wants to be called weak. Even, you know, why do you think bullies are bullies? You know, bullies are bullies because they're not going to be weak, right? Uh, but, you know, inside they were being beaten. You know, you never know what was going on that made them into a bully, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but I think this is where, like, if we want to try to help, you know, help them with their traumas is, you know, stop telling them the stories. Like, stop telling them not to talk about things, you know. Stop kicking people, stop punishing them for coming out and saying that they have a problem, you know. I know some people that are in the military now, right, their, their careers are ending because even after they were promised that if they, if they uh, told their story or if they sought mental health, right, that it wouldn't hinder their careers, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, as soon as they open their mouth, they're on their way out, you know? Why are we punishing them? We want to stop suicide, but you, you're turning around and kicking them out for opening their mouths, right? Why? Why are we punishing our soldiers? You know, same thing for, for our, that's, that's for the male and female alike, you know, across the board. As soon as you have a problem, it's easier to discard Right? Make it someone else's problem. Mm -hmm. So, uh, if we can stop doing that, you know, and just, and I'm not saying that, you know, and that's the thing, like, and stop judging people, stop saying that, oh, well, I don't believe this really happened to you, you know, or I don't believe you were really sexually assaulted, I think you're just making this up, or I don't believe that you were, you know, uh, uh, beat up, you know, you were abused by your parents. I think you're just making this up. You know, it's not your place. You know, it's not your place to say who's, 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 who, or whose story is right, or whose story is true, and whose story is false. It's not your place. But your place is to sit there, take it, take it in, understand it, and try to help that person. Because even if that person was lying, Right, that person might be going through something, mm. you know. But it's still, you know, there's always something that led up to this, you know. But if we shut that down, we're gonna shut down the re the reason for anyone to want to talk, you know. It's I don't know, I don't know, I wouldn't know how to deal with it, but I do know <laughs> that you know, like for those that are going through it, you know, 
day by day, you know, it, know that know that there is a tomorrow if you want the tomorrow to be there, you know. Know that there are people out there that want to support you, that want to help you, but you're not going to find it if you're in your room, you know. You're not going to find it if you're isolating. You're not going to find it if you go to the wrong crowd, you know. There are people out there that want to hear your story and they want to help you project your story out to the masses, you know. And if you're scared, I was scared too, you know. <laughs> I was scared too, yeah. it, you know. But the, the the more, and that's that's how we know how much, how 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 much uh, grief and how much how much that story made you a slave, you know. It enslaved you. It turned turned you into some person that just you felt that you were unworthy of the things, you were unworthy of life, oh, you know. But again, if you find those people that want to help you, man, I can tell you, you're on your way not to healing, right? Not to not to uh, not to saying that you're one hundred percent cured. I don't think I don't think you. To be honest, I don't think you'll ever be 100% cured, you know. But you are on your way to a better quality of life, you know. You're on your, and, and, and I would always say that there are those people that are, you know, most people that that have, uh, you know, had some kind of trauma in their life, right? They're trying to find normal, right? But why are we trying to find normal? We should be trying to find a new normal, the new norm. What makes what makes you a better person than you were then? You know, yeah. At least me. <laughs> That's where I'm going. I'm trying to find a new norm. You know? Yeah. What's the new norm? Maybe the new norm is helping other people become better, having a better quality of life. You know. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's right on. Um. Yeah, I think that's huge. I think, man, I mean, I don't know. I just really resonate with all of that. So <laughs> it's just, the, I like to, my, my experience and like what I know, a lot of my friends are like, it's, it's weird because they're, there's trauma, but it's not at the same scale maybe. But it's, again, everyone, like I know you, you, you talk about a lot about that, but it's like I think one of the hardest things for some people like myself included, is recognizing and accepting that the same thing because we know that there's harder, more gnarly stories out uh, there and like yeah. bigger trauma and more trauma. And and how how do you think you balance between like, like, because you can, like you said, you can isolate, you can keep, you can stay in your room and you can, and in a way, sometimes that's, that just, you just keep cycling the trauma over right. like, through your mind. Like, mm -hmm. I guess it's, is, is that accurate? Like you just it's need true. to get it out there. Yeah. Cause you it's just to... you. So it's just you locked in a room with your own thoughts, right? When you're locked in your room with your own thoughts, mm -hmm. what happens? The thoughts they more frequent, right? Mm -hmm. Because you got no one to talk to and you're trying to, you want to, <laughs> you want to get it out. Yeah. So your mind just starts cycling it through. Right. And because you don't have anyone to tell your mind starts to add things to these things right not necessarily adding to the trauma right to what happens during the trauma but what's happening is like the negative the 
depression part starts to kick, to kick in, right? Mm-hmm. We're saying, oh my goodness, all this happened to me. Am I worth it? I don't know if I'm worth it. Do I even deserve to live? You know, so many negative things start to pop in on top of the trauma that you are, that, that you're yeah. trying to overcome <laughs> in your head, right? And the reason why you're, you're isolating, right? All of these things compounded on top of that leads to bad juju, right? <laughs> horrible now going back to uh you, you did touch on something that i want uh i think is very important okay no trauma is more important than another trauma i tell you that right now anyone who tells you that is lying to you anyone who tells you that my trauma is more important yours is nothing is lying to you that just leads to how hurt they are mm. right Anyone who says, who comes out to you and says, uh, oh, that's not trauma. That person suffering from trauma just doesn't know how to, how to deal with it, right? I think where people get confused is everyone thinks that, you know, oh, man, my trauma's not as bad as that person. Yeah, it is. Was it bad enough to alter your life? Yes. Right? Mm. Did it alter your life in, in, a, in a significant way where it started to change the things in your life and within your lifestyle? Yes. What makes that any different than the most gnarliest thing that you've ever heard? Right? <laughs> I'm using your word. Gnarliest <laughs> thing you've ever heard. Yeah, I mean, right? it's, yeah. Nothing. 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 Because the same process that that you're going through that you think that is not important, not, not significant, it's the same process these guys are going through, right? No trauma is more important than the other. No one is no one trauma is <clears throat> is 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 uh yeah. No one trauma is more important. No one one trauma is greater than the other. You know, trauma is trauma, right? It happens, or it happened. This it happened. Your trauma happened. But the thing is, the thing that got you there was, what did it do to your life, right? And if you talk to anyone who's had trauma, it did the same thing to them. It was just something that significantly happened in their life that forever changed their view, right? Forever changed their quality of life. How is that, what, what makes theirs any more important? What makes mine more important than yours? If we bring ourselves to a level playing field, people are going to want to talk about that, you know. But as soon as we, as soon as we dis- disregard anyone else, because we think, oh, that's not war trauma. What are you, what are you talking about? Hmm. Uh, oh, so your your dad hit you a little hard. Oh, really? How's that? How's that? How's that trauma? Hmm. Did it change that person's life? It did. Doesn't make it any more important, any less important. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what. That's another thing that I try to push out to people. And yeah, that's a hard thing to wrap your head around. I mean, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Don't get me wrong. It is because I mean, yeah, because that's part of the message. That's part of the. the no, that's just weakness yeah. or something. That's yeah. just. You're, you're playing the victim. You're not like, 
whatever. You know, you're, you're, there's a million excuses your mind can come up with to not deal with the trauma, you know, <laughs> like, or yeah. not, or to, to hold on to it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard because everyone says, oh, you just got to get rid of it. You got to forget about it, you know. Yeah. All right. You know. <laughs> I'll, I'll have, you, have you ever met anyone who wasn't? Who was what? Who was, was unaffected by trauma. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, actually a few, few people. Yeah. And I always question, I always question like, why don't you just, why don't you just forget about it? (laughs) (laughs) All right, guy. I, I, usually I just, I, I, when people tell me things like that, uh, people that who have, you know, supposedly so this thing, everything is supposed. We we think that they didn't that they weren't affected by trauma, right? Uh-huh. But generally, when people are giving those kind of advices, right, they they were affected some other way, but they think they've overcome it by telling other people. Why don't you just forget about it? If you're telling other people just forget about it, that means you're locking something away yourself, you know. <laughs> so because that's the way you dealt with trauma. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean? That's the yeah. way you dealt with it, by by locking it away and forgetting about it. But I guarantee you, when you think about it, that's the reason why you're doing some of the things that you're doing now, you know, in your <laughs> life, you know. <laughs> why, you prote- why, why are you so protective of your kids now? Why are you so, uh, why are you so uh, scared of walking around, you know, uh, in grocery stores, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. I mean, everyone's got the. Yeah. Well, I mean, because I, I just have a theory, I guess, that it's just like when you're born, like that's your ticket to trauma, basically. Like it's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you can get out of existence without experiencing something that changes your life, like you're saying. Yeah. And, um, and maybe if you're truly blessed, like it's enough that you can just. Wow. St- stuff it down or, or or people are you know really people have really good environments i'm sure that yeah. they're you know I'm, I'm again i'm not trying to quantify and qualify yeah. the trauma but i'm just like well i think, I think it's, it's just it's, you know it's some big, people are good some people some people are good mm-hmm. at hiding it you know and for the longest time i was great at hiding <laughs> it you know yeah you never know you would never know i had a problem you know, and every once in a while I would slip up and like and you saw in the film earlier, uh, you know, some of my guys would come and tell me, hey, sorry, Navy, man, you might have a problem, man. I was like, I don't have a problem, shut up. Mm-hmm. You know, it would slip out, you know, but I think it's just you either have trauma or you're just really good at hiding it, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was really good at hiding it. And I don't know. And I'm, I'm hoping that there are people out there that, you know, that there's a community out there that's never had to deal with anyone. That'd be so great, right? <laughs> Do you, not even sorry. the richest people in the world can say they have not no. seen trauma, you know? Because usually those ones that are, like, really, really rich, they've gone through a lot of mental trauma, you know? Uh, the way people are talked they talk to their dad's like, oh, you're a disappointment. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's trauma too, you know? You were going to say? 
I was uh, I was going to ask, like, do you think this is like kind of the conversation? Like, I, I I've wondered if like you think it's kind of just part of like the just coming out of um, you know we talked about warrior spirit, but like just even evolutionarily speaking, people human beings had to be warriors mm-hmm. probably to an extent, right? Like, mm-hmm. just like we're kind of like un. I don't know if it's a, it's a path or if it's more cyclical or whatever where we're rising out of it, but it's it's like this, like the human being, the human race almost, I feel like has this trauma that we're starting to all process now in some mm. ways. Like people are getting, because we've, we've had to, existence has been violent probably, right. you know, yeah. like in every way and it's just getting slightly less and now it's less violent enough that we can really start talking about it. Mm. Um because, you know, even just generations, like in, in people coming back from Vietnam, they just kept it all the way until yeah. they never got out. Well, I would say, and remember that there are many different types of warriors, mm-hmm. right? They're the warriors that we all know as true warriors <laughs> out there on the battlefield fighting, right? Yeah. What about the scholarly warriors, right? Those ones that educated themselves and uh but they were able to teach you know different different things you know that's that's a warrior there too you know how to how to live without how to live on the land you know those are uh there's all there's so many different types of warriors right right now i think the age that we're living in is the warrior right we're living in a warrior of knowledge the knowledge warrior, right? Mm. And I think that's where we're at right now. You know, we want to, you have all these these warriors that thought being the badass was the thing that you needed to be, but once they went through it, it clicked, you know? War isn't what we need, you know? We need a little bit more understanding, you know? Mm. And we need more people out there to tell to talk about things, you know. Um, and it's not just war, you know. It's not just war that we need to talk about. We need to talk about why is it that, you know, why is it that women are they're the only ones that can bring life into this world, right? They help raise our kids. They give us names. And yet we, what? We disrespect them, we throw them aside, we cast them away, uh, we rape them, murder them. Why? You know? So these these people that these these women out there that are doing the same thing out there, you know, telling their stories, man, don't that's a different type of warrior, you know? Mm-hmm. They're being a warrior right there. You know, and for men to do it too, be out there trying to try you know understanding and trying to be there with them you know, those are warriors too because you know, all warriors need support right 100 <laughs> percent yeah <sighs> yeah man <laughs> yeah yeah big time i mean um I'll, i appreciate that yeah i think that's i think that is a just really cool do you think it's like the shift from that focus on yourself to the focus on that service again 
that helps like get through that transition? I think so. Yeah. No. Uh, I think for me, yeah, it's 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 helping me find a better quality of life, it's helping me find a new norm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, getting out of my own head and essentially pouring it onto yours and <laughs> hoping that you're gonna want to help me. You know, <laughs> you know, and it, it seems you know if people are gonna say, hey, well, that's kind of a that's kind of a selfish, right? To you know, share your burdens. Mm-hmm. Is it selfish? You know, is it selfish? Because this tattoo, actually, right? This tattoo, that's the tongue, right? It's actually supposed to be done by more than one person at a time, right? And the reason why they do that is because male or female, when you get this tattoo and you do it together, the people that you do this tattoo with those are your new brothers and sisters. They are the ones that are gonna help you carry the burden of the world with you. They will share that burden with you. That, that, for the tattoo, you know? Why can't I share my burden with other people? Mm-hmm. You know, my trauma, my, and whatever form it takes, why can't I share it with anybody else? Because everybody needs support, right? Yeah. That's the new way I'm going to explain this. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. It's the truth. Yeah. It's not trauma. It's not a burden. You know, it's the truth. I think yeah. like most people, they like, want to know what's really happening. I think that's why I think it's so cool. You said it's a knowledge age or like, <laughs> because it's like, we're actually finally all coming out of the woodwork and being like, this is what it's like and we're like able to actually go oh okay we're all together a little bit more than we realized because everyone was just sucking it up and Mm -hmm. pretending that it was all okay when it wasn't you'd be surprised how much people have in trauma in in common when it comes to trauma it's ridiculous you know because like but you know we just choose to not tell people because we don't want the stigma Right? Oh, that person is crazy. Oh, that person's yeah, yeah, yeah. She she got raped. She's a whore, you know, or or whatever it is that comes out of people's mouths. Nobody wants that, you know. I mean, that's the other thing we need to stop is stop putting stigmas on people, you know. Stop telling them that this is horrible. It's just horrible, horrible thing to do. It's counterproductive, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hearing like don't. Well, you said you've said like make space. That's really all you can do. Don't yeah. put, don't put a judgment on somebody. Let them tell their story and just that's that's your job if you want to help. If you don't want to help, yeah, go you be somewhere do else. It. You don't yeah. have to do it, but if you're gonna help, that's the help. Yeah. And then if you have if you're someone looking for somebody, do you have any like? I guess advice on uh, how you can find someone that is going to make that space for you. Well, because I think partially that's why people get isolate, right? They yeah. don't feel like anyone's making the space. They don't feel like anyone will understand or try to understand. And so yeah. and the, then the is, more they go out there, they go, they hear in the judgment and come back and they're like, you know what? Yeah. Fuck this. I'll go back to my room. At least I won't 
actually, well, I probably will judge myself. <laughs> but yeah. at least I won't have to hear it times 10 with other people. Online. The thing is, I can't tell you how many people I've gone through, mm-hmm. right? How many groups I've gone through. All I know is that if I stayed in that room, I was going to not make it out. Uh, if I stayed in that room, I was not going to see another day, you know? So the only thing I can I can say is you have to get up. You have to you have to have the will to get up. To walk out of that room every day. Get up out of your bed every day. You know. You don't necessarily have to go outside. You know, sometimes you can just find someone by calling, right? But I mean, when I, uh, I, I find people by the most oddest things, you know. I'll walk around um, and, like, say, I'll see, like, there's a volleyball game posted, you know, or, like, there's a, you know, players want it, you know. I was like, all right, I'll go play volleyball, Hmm. you know. But if we, you know, if we stick to what we know, yeah, you're not going to find anything, right? If we stick to, like, going to just random little things, uh, we're not going to find anything. But if we... Go out of our comfort zone, which is the one of the harder things to do, right? Get out of what we know and start walking and trying to figure out what we want. You know, the type of people that we really want to be around, those people will find you, mm. you know? Because at the same time you're searching, someone's searching. Someone else is searching, you know? Mm-hmm. You just got to find them, you know? Find each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. All right, man. Well, I don't want to take up your whole afternoon. I don't know what you're going to do next, but... I'm going to go eat. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm hungry myself. Um, But thank you for sharing some more with us. Yeah, no problem. I mean, if there's anywhere uh, people can find you, you know, you have a website, so I'll I'll make sure that if um, we put this up somewhere, we get a a bump because your story is incredible and we've not even scratched the surface (laughs) on it, you know? Yeah. And... um, Oh, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully the next time, uh, uh, well, let's see, I'll be in New York. Be in New York at a veterans uh, thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, anytime I'm around this area, if I'm doing a veterans conference or I'm spe- doing a speaking engagement, I'll, I'll hook you up, man. <laughs> so come on through, man. Yeah, we would so love we can, to uh, always have you back <laughs> there, yeah. No, No doubt about that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I appreciate the time, man. I appreciate yours. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. I can't stop looking at these tattoos. They're pretty cool. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, little history about the tattoo, right? So, the tattoo, one, it signifies uh, the transition from being a man or from a boy to a man, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, it also says that you are willing to take on all responsibilities from here on out. From the time that the tattoo is finished until you die, you it's your responsibility mm-hmm. right? to help move and protect and, 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 and nourish your family. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, other things about the tattoo is uh, the closer the lines are, the closer the designs are, the closer the designs are, or these lines are here, mm-hmm. 
the closer they are together, the more pain you took. Ah, I see. Yeah. yeah. And so, the the further the 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 uh, the lines are, the less pain you took. And so, a lot of people, if you have like really wide lines, you see that they get made fun of a lot. <laughs> um, and that's why I was really proud when I got my tattoo. You know? Yeah, they pretty much just filled you in all yeah. the way there. <laughs> there is no line. It's just like, it's, that's yeah. all pain. Yeah. Is there significance to like the, the section of your body and like why it's there? Well, so like the main part, right, is the one that's right here on my back. Mm -hmm. It's called the va, right, or the boat. Or the boat. That's where the, the, the origin of, of, uh, you know, our, the origin of our people, you know, mm. how it came to pass. And the Va, Va means boat, you know, so we were seafaring people. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the lines that come across the front are rafters to our, you know, to our, our houses, you know, the, the, the parts that help keep our, our body around. So, you know, the same as you know when you do when you think of the rafters, right? Of your of uh, a building, right? This this huge rib cage thing that yeah, is really supportive, can carry a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. right? Think that's of that for this. Is. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then yeah, we might as well put it here. There's the core. That's the where core, you want the... <laughs> yeah, the core of your body. Yeah. So yeah, that's just a little little bit, little bit. That's pretty badass. How many? How many? There's not that many people that get those tattoos i imagine actually there's this huge renaissance now oh yeah because like, yeah. i remember i've I'm seen them pop up a little bit yeah. you know i'm a big fan of the ufc mm -hmm. i think that's partly how i get some of my like <laughs> like whatever live vicariously through these other warrior type uh -huh. folks sometimes or get inspired by what they can do um because it's you know it's a little bit healthier than war it's mm -hmm. like a yeah. competition or whatever but yeah. there's a there's a few fighters that are in the ufc that one of them has a, oh really has, um, did he lose uh, I don't think he's, I don't know, but he's famous for doing shoey, I think, is what, one of his things. Uh, Tied to Avasu or something. I can't remember his name. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Was, but he was undefeated for a long time. I don't know if he's lost yet. Uh, but it could be trouble, I yeah. guess. If uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's now, nowadays, it's, so, the old the old meaning for the, the whole reasons why you got this other the tattoos has changed, mm. you know, since uh, Western Western civilization. But most of it doesn't have to do with Western civilization. Most of it has to do with uh, our our people that are living, our Samoans that are living off island. You know, they too want to wear the tattoo, but they have no way to earn it. Because uh -huh. right? you have to earn these tattoos. You can't just come up to a chief and just say, oh, hey, uncle, let me get this tattoo. Come on, man. <laughs> you know, but nowadays, uh, the, the artist, the tattooist will do it for money. You oh, know, yeah. as long as you pay the, the artist, they'll come out there and tattoo you, you know. But there's, there's a reason why you got the tattoos. You know, that's Tau and Malu. There's a reason why you got it. You know, but nowadays, not so much. It's, more it's this and the thing that's what's sad is i don't want it to turn into a fad mm -hmm. you know because that's what one 
a huge, significant part of our culture. You know, and it just turns into the next fat, and it becomes no important than any other tattoo out there. You know, yeah. Also, also the thing about time, right? Time. Uh, the quicker you get your tattoo done, also the more, the more pain you're able to take. The more. Uh, oh, all at once. Yeah, all at once. Yeah. <laughs> and so, not only were you able to take a lot of pain, but you also take on. You know, they look at you as a leader because you can handle that much pain, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was proud because I got mine done within five days, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you got all these other guys out there that do it <laughs> 30 days, right? <laughs> and so, you know, at first I used to be upset about being real discredited. Like, why'd you get it for it then? You know, why'd you, get, why'd you get the tattoo? So you could just wear it, you know? But nowadays I'm like, I'm more lenient. And I'm like, oh, okay, I understand. You know, but I don't understand it if, if they're doing it just to do it. You know, I don't understand. But if you're doing it because it's, you know, that's, that's the other reason. You know, like, whenever people used to get the tattoo, they would get it done within a week, two weeks, right? Because there was a reason behind them getting it, mm. right? But now, because there is no reason for them to get it, they just get it to wear it. They just put it on and they take as long as they want. Yeah. Jeez. You're supposed the, the idea behind behind the the pain, right? The idea behind the pain is to for you to go on a journey, right? This is we call it a journey, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like how how uh, Native Americans go on their 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 journeys, oh. uh, right? For for us, is do our tattoo. We go mm-hmm. on through this journey, right? Because. You're at the time when you're getting all your, all the ink done. It's this fine line whether you're gonna survive infection, yeah, or you're gonna lose a lot of blood and, and bleed out, right? So, and if you survived, you that tattoo is forever bonded with you. Yeah, there was a reason why you got it, and you knew the reason. And you knew that if you survived, bam, there's meaning to it. There's meaning, yeah. you know. That's what's so fascinating is because there is like such deep, like pure intentional culture mm-hmm. to it. Whereas, you know, like when you said, when you come to America, a lot of it is just kind of washed out because everyone is like the culture is just like not kind of, you know, it just loses itself through the generations. Yeah. And then what you get is just, it's kind of an absence of meaning. And yeah. that's what I think you were talking about. You didn't get tainted by some of that stuff when you were growing up. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's hard because you don't, you know, you don't want to have like such an intense tradition that you're trapping people in, I guess. But, um, but a lot of youth, like we have to create our own yeah. well, man you know, to boy, boy to man challenges. Like a good way to, there's a good way and there's a bad way right? mm-hmm. to, uh, for, cause I'm, I'm a, uh, Everyone always thinks, even my own culture, we always think culture should always remain the same. Wrong. That's how cultures die. Yeah. Right? Cultures are forever evolving. And if we can evolve the right way, our culture will forever live. Mm. Right? But if we evolve the wrong way, then it definitely will die. <laughs> you know? And this is one of the, the wrong ways that I see, just me, you know, it's just my opinion is, how the tattoo is being spread around. You know, it's the right way to get it. There's a wrong way to get it. Earn it. Don't just expect to be giving it. You know? 
Yeah. I love it. Wise words. <laughs> All right. Um, let's get it. Let's get these things off. I don't know what you're trying to eat, but.